we all have a story about how we became who we are today. You're the person you know, sitting in the chair, me standing in front of you. We all have a story of people and events uh, that have shaped us into the very person that we are uh, in this room um, right now. And I could go back through the history of my life to tell you about key people and key events that uh, have shaped the person standing in front of you this evening. Um, and I was kind of going through it in my head as I was uh, preparing this message, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of people that I often don't even think about that have shaped who I am today. And there's a lot of people and events that I've probably forgotten. And some events in our lives feel much weightier than others. They might be just a few seconds in exchange with somebody, something somebody said to you, something that happened. It might have been 10 seconds, might have been two seconds, might have even just been a look somebody gave you, but forever you can just see that moment in your mind. It's something that has shaped who you are today. And there is, and for all of us, uh, our parents um, were, uh, and for some of us are, the biggest influences in our lives. If they're involved in your life in, in a very significant way, that shaped you. Um, if they weren't involved, if they're kind of absent, that shaped you. Um, no matter what your parents did um, or are doing, that has shaped who you are and who you're becoming. And there, there are dozens and dozens of key people and events um, that have happened um, from the time we've left our house or the time that we're in our house um, that are shaping who we are and have shaped who we are. And a few years ago, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, but a few of us were in um, Nick and Emma's house, and I think we were sharing our stories about how we came to know Jesus. And then there's this moment when a couple of us um, had shared this question that we were constantly asking ourselves, um, constantly asking God. Uh, and, and it occurred to me, maybe there's a, there's a question that we're all kind of always asking of ourselves or always asking God or always asking other people. And for me, the question um, that I was always asking was, am I doing a good job? Am I doing a good job? And it might come out in different ways. Am I, am I doing the right thing? Um, is, was that okay? Is that a thing I did? Was that okay? Was that the right thing? Or was that wrong? And I'm always asking that question, whether it's um, just asking it myself, asking other people, wondering to myself, even if I don't say it out loud, like, did I do a good job in that situation? And something I'm asking of God. And the fear I have is that if I didn't do a good job or I didn't do something right, um, that other people are going to be mad at me and disappointed with me. And so I expend tons of energy, energy trying to make sure uh, that I don't make mistakes, that I need to do a good job, otherwise people will be mad at me. And a lot of this fear um, came from my upbringing. We said that our parents have a lot of influence. A lot of it came from my upbringing because there was a lot of consequences if I didn't do the right thing, if I didn't do a good job. And we all have a story about how we became who we are today. And at our core, I think each of us is asking a question over and over again, or maybe you're at a point in your life where that question is still being formed that you're asking over and over again, but I would imagine um, even for you guys in the back that there's a question that you're asking over and over again already at your age. And so we're going to brainstorm. I was trying to think of maybe I could come up with examples of these questions, um, but I thought it might be easier if we just kind of brainstorm it. So you don't have to say the question that you're asking, but what I'm going to ask you to share is what are some examples of questions people might be asking themselves or things that people might be insecure about. So for me, I'm always asking, am I doing a good job? Um, and so what are some other um, questions that people may be asking? Um, and it doesn't have to be your question. You can share yours, but we, we don't know if it's yours because we're just saying questions that people in general ask. So I'll put mine up there. Big eye. 
Any other questions come to mind? Does it need more explanation? Should I be doing something different with my life? Should I be doing something different? Yeah, you feel insecure about it, feel scared. Um, not saying you, but somebody who's thinking this. Should I be doing something different? We're scared that we're doing the wrong thing. The further I get away from over here, the worse my handwriting gets. <laughs> Does anyone care about me? Does anyone care about me? Yeah. Maybe another variation of that is, uh, do I matter? Put that down. Do I matter? How do I know the truth? All kinds of questions How do I know the truth? So we may just keep answering that question. Like, am I right about this? Is this actually the truth? Is that kind of what you're saying? Or person that is presenting something to me, whether it's somebody uh, at an airport that's buttonholing me about this or that. Okay. How can I be happy? How can I be happy? that question for all kinds of things like am I am I good enough to be a parent am I enough for this task that's been given to me am I enough um, in whatever way yeah kind of like do I have what it takes to is kind of similar Katie's a teacher, so she says I need to work on my whiteboard skills. Look at that question mark. Oh boy. That's a what? Huh? A snaky thing? <laughs> yeah, so maybe some other ones we could be asking. What I was writing in my brain brainstorm was, you know, am I doing a good job? Some of us are gonna be asking, am I loved? Or maybe am I lovable? Am I even capable of being loved? Or am I valuable? I think some of us ask, am I safe? Um, maybe similar to, does anyone care about me? Is Am I taken care of? Like, is anybody looking out for me? Um, are kind of questions that can come from our core that we're just always asking and always wondering about. And perhaps for you, the, the question is no longer even a question, but it's become a statement. You've asked it for so long, and you're convinced that the answer is no. Um, you're asking this, maybe besides this one, um, all of them could be answered with a no. Uh, that it's now it's no, you're not doing a good job. No, you're not loved. No, you're not okay. No, you don't matter. You know, maybe for so long it's become a statement that you've just heard a negative answer for so long. And so you say, I am bad. I am unlovable. I am worthless. I am not safe. Or we say, um, 
we maybe saying no I need to be doing something different and or no nobody cares about me or no I don't matter um, and so those questions become statements and so take a moment um, if you have a bulletin or a journal or whatever, or grab a bulletin right there on the little table or on the back of the little the verse sheet you grab, take a moment to write down the question you're always asking of yourself, of God, and others. Like the question that you just wish people would answer for you. Um, that if you that you could ask people and they would give you um, an answer to that question. Take a moment and uh, it could be one of these, it could be something else. And if you can't quite get to it, that's okay. Uh, maybe this will be helpful in, in getting you there eventually. Now we don't just ask that question to ourselves and other people. Um, we also ask it to God. Um, so for me, I'm always asking God, am I doing a good job? Am I doing the right thing here? Am I doing a good job? And a lot of times, I feel like uh, I'm not doing a good job. Like, man, I'm always falling short. I shared a couple, several weeks back that I always feel like I haven't done enough. Um, and what I have done isn't good enough. So it's always like, well, you could have always done better. You could have always done more. So no, I'm never doing a good job. Um, and so now that you've asked that, put that question down, um, maybe you don't know God's response to you when you ask him it, um, but just think about this. What do, you, what do you think God's attitude and feeling is toward you right now or on most days? And so, for example, me is, am I doing a good job? Um, the answer is no, and so most days I feel like God's kind of mad at me and disappointed with me. So what do you always feel like God's attitude is? Towards you on most days. What do you believe he he's, looks at you and is thinking and feeling? dug deep enough uh, I think that whatever that core question is that you're asking and wishing other people would tell you or wishing God would tell you that you're always wondering um, is connected to how you think God feels about you because uh, what, when we uh, God answers the core questions of our life um, when we don't know the true answer to that um, then we um, struggle and this week we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit called with us, um, enjoying God's presence through the Spirit. And the good news of the Gospel is that God is both for us and God is with us. Those are the two big parts of the Gospel, that God is for us. He's no longer against us. Um, there's no barriers between Him and us. If you've trusted in Jesus, all those barriers have been removed. God is no longer against you. Uh, and because God is no longer against us when we trust in Jesus, then He comes and dwells with us. God is then present with us through the Holy Spirit. And as I said, we've all been shaped by people in our lives. We have a core question we're asking God. And God has good news as an answer to that question. And our focus today is on a key truth to understanding our relationship with God. And it's called union with Christ. 
and it's maybe a weird word you haven't heard very often, union, you don't say that um, in your everyday speech, but um, we heard this a bit, uh, if you're here when we're going through chapters 13 through 17 in the Gospel according to John, because Jesus talked about um, us being one with him. He said, uh, if you abide in me, I will abide in you, that I'm one with the Father, and if you love me, you'll be one with me, and I'll be one with you. And Jesus said, we will be one with him, we'll be united with him. And one of the key images he used was a vine and its branches. And we still have the vine and branches up here. That it's these, the vine, um, you know, this little tough part in the middle, and the little branches, they, they are one. Even though the vine and the branches are two different things, they are one thing. And so Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. You need to abide in me. You need to stay connected to me. You need to commit yourself to me. Um, because apart from me, you can do Nothing, And so we're to be united with Jesus like a branch is to a vine. And Jesus said, you know, you might be asking, okay, well, I don't see Jesus here. Um, I just see a tall white guy. Uh, where's Jesus? You know, he's not here for me to hold on to and be connected with. Um, how does this guy live 2,000 years ago? How can I be united with him and one with him? And um, well, Jesus said the answer is through the Holy Spirit that he would send to us. And there's other images of oneness and union used in the Bible. Jesus says he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. Uh, and the shepherd and the sheep are one. The shepherd's leading the sheep and their, their fate, their destiny um, is tied to one another. If the shepherd, something happens to him, something's going to happen to the sheep. And the shepherd takes responsibility for the sheep, so they're one. Um, Jesus says he is the groom and the church is his bride. That he uh, unites himself to us in, in marriage. He uses the picture of marriage. That as a man and a woman become one flesh in marriage. So Jesus becomes one with his people. And Jesus says he is the king and we're his subjects. If, if the king, something bad or something good happens to the king, something bad and something good happens to his subjects. And so Jesus says we are one, king and subjects. And lastly he says... Um, he is the head, and we are his body. You know, the, what's the, you, know, you can cut somebody's arm off, um, and they can still keep going, or you cut somebody's leg off, and they can still keep going. But if you cut someone's head off, they're done. And so uh, you, Jesus says uh, that he is the head, and we are his body, and we're intimately connected. We're one with him. On the fate of the sheep is connected to the fate of the shepherd. The fate of the bride is connected to the fate of the groom. The fate of the subjects are connected to their king. And so what happens to the leader happens to the followers. And the other way the Bible talks about this is it says that we are in Christ, that we no longer are separated from him, but now we're united with him. We're one with him. And we saw that in our passage last week. And the Bible tells us that when we trust in Jesus, the story about who we are and what defines us radically changes. And that radical change happens through being united with him, through being one with him. And so the big idea for today is this. Here, put it on here so you can easily read it and write it down if you like doing that. The Spirit makes what's true of Jesus true of us by uniting us with Him. The Spirit makes what's true of Jesus true of us by uniting us with Him. The Spirit makes what's true of Jesus true of us by uniting us with Him. Remember, as we've said throughout this series, that God desires to make us his sons and daughters inside and out. He wants to adopt us into his family, and he wants to make us his sons and daughters both inside and outside. And he does that by uniting us with Jesus, by making us one with Jesus. Jesus um, is God the Son. He's the, he's the Son of God, um, and so we get united with him 
and what's true of him becomes true of us. Um, think about, if you just want one example of how what's, you know, so in a marriage, um, when Katie and I got married, we've shared this, I've shared this story before, Katie had no debt, um, but I had some debt from college. But when we got married, it wasn't my debt and her no debt. My debt became her debt, and her no debt became my no debt. That's a weird way to say it. But, you know, she took on my debt, and so we became one. When we got married, we became one. Um, and so now we're both paying off the debt that I had accrued in college. We're, it's now our debt, not just my debt. And in the same way, when we become one with Jesus, when we are married with him, when we become the, his sheep, when we become his subjects, citizens of his kingdom, now he takes on what is ours and we get given what is his. And my hope for today is that you would leave telling a new story about yourself, the story of what's true of you because of Jesus. And so take just a moment by yourself to pray because we, the Spirit's the one who unites us with, with Jesus. So ask, take a moment and ask the Spirit this. Ask Him to show you what's true of you because of Jesus. Because I can tell it all to you um, and it can just bounce off your ears, bounce off your hearts. But take a moment to ask the Spirit, show me what's true of me because of Jesus. Asking the Spirit to do the very work that He was given us to do. Um, we're going to do, we're out of room. I don't know if I have a, hopefully I have a paper towel in here. Aha! But we're going to take a moment and brainstorm. Well, what do we know um, is true? I kind of wanted to keep this up here, but, well. There's another board in there. Yeah, that's too hard. But, and this isn't working well either. But what do we know? So in your mind, begin brainstorming. Uh, what do we know is true about Jesus from what you've heard in the Bible, what you've heard in church services? What do we know is true of Jesus? Rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. Rose from dead. Okay. What else? It's obedient to the Father. Obedient. He suffered. Suffered. He will be exalted. Lots of stuff we can put. He was tempted. Same as us. Tempted. Sacrificed. <coughs> Sacrificed. Humbled. Let's switch gears to what's true of him as a person. Humble. Humble. He faced opposition. Mm 
stop position. Passionate. Passionate. authority over a lot of things. You have teaching and nature and demons. Can you repeat the question? What uh, is true, what do we know is true of Jesus? I've had a big one that's been, we've been talking about in this series. He's the son of God. this here, sacrificed for sins. Sacrificed in other ways too, but for sins was a big, the biggest. It was the spotless lamb. Spotless lamb. Alright. Well, my handwriting is deteriorating as I run out of room, so we'll, we'll stop there. Okay, so we have a good, nice, big list here. Um, and secondly, Let's ask, uh, when we, before we trust in Jesus, what is true of us? If you haven't put your faith, some, someone hasn't put their faith in Jesus, what is true of us? Dead in sin. Dead in sin, yeah. Uh, Brian read that in Ephesians 2 earlier. Self-centered. Self-centered. Wicked. Wicked. This is a pep rally, by the way. <laughs> Prideful. Prideful. Yeah, that gives us a good picture. We could keep going, but we'll pause there. So one way you can just you can. Uh, summarize what the Bible says is true of us, um, and which is very connected with what, what Brian read earlier in Ephesians 2, is that without the Spirit, we're children of the devil who are dead, blind, and deaf to God. We're children of the devil who are bl dead, blind, and deaf to God. And so, uh, if this is what's true of us, that we're deaf, blind, dead to God, um, children of the devil, which means you know that we're following him, his ways or being formed to be like him. Um, how, if that's what's true of us, how do we become children of God? This whole series we've been saying God desires to make us his sons and daughters inside and out. But if this is what's true of us, how do we become children of God? How do we enter God's family? How do we become part 
of Christ's kingdom? How do we receive salvation? And the answer is through union with Jesus. All of what's true of Jesus um, becomes true of us when we trust in him. And so Jesus, uh, on the cross, we said he sacrificed for our sins. He took our place. He took all of this upon himself. He took responsibility for it. Um, so that he, and he died in our place for the penalty of all these things. Um, he died as someone who had no hope, who was lost, who was greedy. He paid the penalty of someone who is all this, um, even though he was all of this. And because he does that, um, everything that's true of him becomes true of us. And everything that was true of us, he takes on himself so he can get rid of. And this is why Jesus is the way to God. A list of do's and don'ts isn't the way to God. A spiritual program isn't the way to God. Religious rituals aren't the way to God. A person is the way to God. We're called to follow him as our shepherd, as our king, as our groom, and as our, as our head. And if, it's, if what's true of Jesus, this now becomes true of us. I know some of this is like, well, yeah, he suffered. Uh, he was tempted. Uh, and some of this were like, oh, that doesn't sound very good. But other things that he was, he was the son of God. He was spotless lamb. Um, he rose from the dead. Um, these things become true of us now, that now we are righteous, we're forgiven. We are now sons and daughters uh, of, of God, now that everything that's true of Jesus becomes true of us. And that completely changes our relationship with God. And that's why nobody can come to the Father, God the Father, except through Jesus, because we need to be united with Him. And now our relationship with the Father is the same as Jesus' relationship with the Father, because everything that's true of Him becomes true of us. And how are we united with Jesus? Well, the Spirit is the one who makes us one with Jesus, that what's true of Him is true of us. And as we said last week, the Spirit is the seal of God's love. He's the one who bonds us with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a spiritual bond between us and God. And there's a number of passages that speak to this. Um, and you can see it on the, the handout, um, Union with Christ. Jesus' story is our story. And I underlined how these passages show uh, what's true of Jesus becomes true of us. So if we just scan through the underlying parts, um, made us alive together with Christ, raised us up with him, seated us with him. We died to sin, baptized into his death. We were buried with him by baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, um, we were too, and we too might walk in newness of life. We were crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. Having been buried with him, we're raised with him. God made us alive together with him raised us with Christ, we've died, our life is hidden with Christ, and we will also appear with him in glory. And so Jesus' story becomes our story. When we give our life into his hands, when we surrender our life to him, now we're united with him. He's now our king, he's our shepherd, he's um, our, our, our groom of the church, the husband of the church, and we, his story becomes our story. And um, the core events that uh, the Bible comes back to again and again are death and resurrection. We've died with Christ and been made alive with him. And so if you turn to Romans 6, that was the second passage that we had read. Um, it's on that page. It's the second one, or it's on page 942 in the Bibles we use here. Um, but the Apostle Paul has just finished saying, uh, righteousness, right standing with God is this free gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. He just gives it to you for free when you trust in Jesus. Uh, and then he says in chapter 6, verse 1, well, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, and that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
and he anticipates an objection he's gotten many times before. Well, wait, if I can be righteous, if I can be good without actually doing good things, without actually doing righteous things, well, then what's going to keep me from just sinning? Like, if it's by grace that God gives it to me for free, undeserved, without me doing anything, well, I can just do whatever I want then. And there's people that were happy about that. Sweet! It's by grace. God gives it to me. I don't have to do anything. I can just do whatever I want, and I'm good with God. And then other people are like, wait, 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 wait. If you don't have to earn righteousness, um, then people are just going to do whatever they want. So some people are upset about it. Some people are happy about it. And Paul's answer addresses both. He tells both the people that when you trust in Jesus, you have a new story. You're no longer defined by sin. You are dead to sin. That's no longer your Lord. It's no longer your master. You were under its penalty, meaning you were guilty, condemned, the things we said here. You were dead. You had no hope. You're wicked, prideful, and that means you were condemned in God's sight. And he says you're no longer under that penalty. And what's more, you're no longer under its power. You are no longer um, uh, have to be a slave to being prideful, to being wicked, to being greedy, to being self-centered. You're no longer dead in sin. You've been made alive with Jesus. You died to sin. It's no longer your master. Now Jesus is your master, and now you're walking newness of life just like him. If you trust in Jesus, what's true of him becomes true of you. And there's uh, two ways that this becomes true. We've said on our little sign back here, we become sons and daughters inside and out. And if you think about like the Christian life of trusting in Jesus, like a timeline. You're going along in your life. This is all true of you. And at some point, you trust in Jesus. Now, um, a whole bunch of stuff becomes true of you at that very moment. You're righteous. You're adopted. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Um, you are loved and fully accepted and, and fully embraced by God. Um, and that all happens in one moment. And you're changed on the inside. Who you are is changed. You now have a new status before God. Before your status was all this stuff, and now your new status is you're a son of God, you're spotless, you're righteous, you're blameless, um, you're full of love. And at the same time, God makes us new on the inside. We were dead, like we said, I said we're dead, blind, and deaf to God without the Spirit. And now we become alive, that we're no longer dead, um, that we can actually respond to God. We're not blind to seeing Him, we're not deaf to hearing Him. Um, and all that becomes true as soon as we trust in Jesus. But then over time, progressively, Jesus changes who we are um, at that moment. We're never more or less loved by God as our Father throughout our Christian life. But progressively, what we do changes more and more. So on the inside, already sons and daughters of God. On the outside, not quite yet living a righteous life. We still have pride and self-centeredness in us. But the difference is that the shackles that chain us to those things have now been undone and now we can actually do what Jesus did which is live a humble life be compassionate be forgiving um, be tempted and not give in um, that we can be obedient and more and more over time as soon as we trust in Jesus who we are is changed but then progressively over time what we do is also transformed as well so you can think about it like this uh, there's a bunch of people have used this image um, couldn't really track down where the origin was, but um, there's a story that goes, somebody walks into this guy who makes statues and then, let's say the statues of an elephant or a horse or something, and they're like, wow, how did you make that horse out of that, you know, it's just this big chunk of marble or rock and then somebody walks in and is like, how did you make that horse out of that chunk of rock? And the person responds, well, it's simple. 
I just chipped off everything that wasn't a horse until eventually all the parts that aren't a horse are gone and all that's left is a horse out of that chunk of rock. And so when we come to Jesus, when we trust in him, what happens is there's an old self that is defined by all these things. And slowly, over time, God chips away that old self until all that's left is the new self, a new self that looks like Jesus, um, that is all these things are true of us, that we're fully alive, that we're obedient, that we um, sacrifice ourselves for other people's sakes, that we're tempted and don't give in, um, that we're compassionate, forgiving, and, and that we fully look like sons and daughters of God. And as we think about how this would uh, can change our lives, um, we said I said at the beginning of the series that there's three things um, that keep us from enjoying God's presence with us. It's not being aware, um, not being available to God's purposes, and not being attentive to his leading. Um, for the next several weeks, we're focusing on that awareness piece, awareness of what the Spirit has done, um, is doing, and will do. It's an awareness of our new story. Our lack of enjoyment of the Spirit's presence with us is us letting our old story define who we are. And so we often let these things define who we are, that we think when God looks at us, this is how this is what he sees and this is how he treats us. Instead of looking at us and seeing someone who's forgiven, who's the son and da- or daughter, um, that we're spotless, that we're righteous, that we now have new life in him. And so what, keep, what keeps us living our old lives? Well, it's this, that the old lies keep us living our old lives. The old lies keep us living our old lives. We too often live a story that is no longer true of us. So here's maybe three, three things that uh, you're, is a lie that you're believing. First, lies about God. God hasn't, God can't, God won't. That we just believe that God is absent or doesn't like us or is mad at us and doesn't really take any interest in our lives. You know, we ask all those questions at the beginning, and we, when we ask those to God, we get a negative response. Do I matter? No. Uh, are you doing a good job? No. Do I love you? Do I care about you? Are you worth anything to me? No. And so we just believe, you know, God hasn't, God can't, God won't. God hasn't taken care of me. God hasn't been there for me. God hasn't come through for me. God can't change me. God can't love me. God won't be there for me. Um, God won't do X, Y, or Z. And then we also believe about ourselves. I haven't, I can't, and I won't. So God hasn't, God can't, God won't. I haven't, I can't, I won't. And of course, you can put other verbs in there too, um, but those are the ones I put in. So we say, I haven't been good enough. I haven't done enough. I haven't been good enough for God to love me. I haven't been good enough for God to care about me. I haven't been done enough for God um, to be pleased with me. Or we might say, I can't change. Or I can't be safe. That we still think we're shackled to sin's power. That I can't do this, this, or that. Or, I, I'll, or we might say, I, I won't ever measure up. We look to the future. We're like, there's no way I'll ever be good enough. And we just want to stop and give up. And so we live this old story of relating um, to God as if he isn't for us, as if he isn't with us, that he hasn't removed every barrier for him to love us, and that he isn't with us to help us, to grow us, um, to be with us, to change us. So we ask those questions at the beginning that we're talking about, the question that what we ask of other people, what we ask of God. And so um, if you have a bulletin, uh, can write down, can fill in the blank for this. 
If we're united with Jesus, if our story is now that we're sons and daughters of God, that we're fully loved as Jesus loved. You know, if you think about uh, Jesus, most of us would probably think like, well, he was perfect, and so of course God loved him. And it's like, well, that's the point. Um, but now we're one with Jesus, and if you think, well, man, there's a barrier between me and God. God can't love me. Um, I, I'm not good enough, and I never will be. Uh, then we aren't living in the new story that uh, we're united. What's true of us? What's true of Jesus is true of us. If there's no barriers between Jesus and the Father, there's no barriers between us and the Father. Um, that the very same love that the Father loved Jesus with, who is perfect, who is a son eternally, um, who always did his will, who was always humble, who always submitted to him, who was always spotless, who was always the Son of God, um, who did everything the Father asked him, that is the same love of which the Father loves us, loves you. And so you can fill in this sentence. Uh, maybe you have statements you say about yourself or questions you ask for yourself, but fill this in in your mind or on a piece of paper. Because I am one with Jesus, because I am one with Jesus, I am blank. Because I am one with Jesus, I am blank. What's now true of you? You can just write down in that blank what's true of Jesus, and it might seem crazy to write down. Because I am one with Jesus, I am blank. Secondly, because I am one with Jesus, God blank. Because I am one with Jesus, God blank. And the crazy thing is, because I'm one with Jesus, we can say, I am, I mean, it's crazy, I am alive. I've risen from the dead. I'm no longer dead to sin. We can say, I have the ability to obey. I have the power to obey. Um, Jesus suffered. We also suffer um, as he suffered. Uh, and in obedience to the Father's will. And so we can suffer and not lose hope um, that, we, that I am exalted. We read in uh, Ephesians 2 that we've been raised up and seated with Jesus, that now uh, the, God looks at us and has given us all the privileges that Jesus has. Um, the, because I'm one with Jesus, I am tempted, and I have the power to resist that temptation. And we can go on and on and on. And then because I'm one with Jesus, God can write all kinds of things in there. God loves me fully. God sees all that I am, and he loves me fully, um, because I'm his son. I'm one with Jesus. And so, I'll just give you these two questions you can reflect on throughout the week. If you fully believed this, what would happen? And fill in these two blanks. I would be less blank. I would be more blank. If you fully believe, because I'm one with Jesus, all these things are true of me. Because I'm one with Jesus, all these things are true about God. I would be less blank. Now I'd be more blank. So for me, I was asking that question in the beginning because I'm, am I doing a good job? And because I'm one with Jesus, um, it maybe doesn't mean that I'm doing a perfect good job all the time, but it means that I'm loved even when I'm less than perfect. It means that God, I mean, our son Hudson, I love him when he's less than perfect, um, and I cheer for him when he's less than perfect, even when he's, you know, crawling and crying and hating it, I'm still saying, good job, buddy, you know, happy with him and cheering him on. Um, and so I have to believe God does that for me too because God's a way better parent than I am. Because I'm one with Jesus, God loves me when I fail. He loves me when I succeed. He loves me when I half succeed. He loves me my bad days when I'm just grumpy and complaining about what he wants me to do. He loves me on 
my you know, half good days when I'm kind of happy about what he's asked me to do. And if I fully believe this, I would be less scared because I wouldn't be having to ask, am I doing a good job? And have that be the basis for what's is secure me. And we are God's people, all of us who trust in Christ, sent into the world as his messengers. And we're sent to wherever we live, work, and play, to our neighbors, to our families, our workplaces. And in our gospel community meeting on Friday nights, we're planning how we're going to love as servants and go as messengers at Crossroads Care Center. And um, the people we've been asking and considering, like, okay, we want to build relationships there um, and talk with people there um, and have opportunities to share with them about Jesus. And you have to, I think we can imagine that a lot of them are probably asking some of those questions we asked at the beginning. Do I matter? I'm in this place and I'm struggling with my health. Uh, I've get, gotten, had to leave my home, and I just can barely even get myself out of bed. People have to help me. Do I even matter? Am I worth anything? Am I loved? And everybody around you is asking those questions. And when we can have our story changed to believe what's true of Jesus is now true of me, we can share with people, you know what? I used to ask that question too. I used to ask if I'm worth anything, if I'm valuable, if I have a purpose, if I matter, if I should, uh, if I need to be better. Um, we can tell people, you know where I found the answer? I found that what's, you know, what's true of Jesus is now true of me, that my story has completely changed. And we can give other people um, a story of hope, good news, um, that can change their lives and change the trajectory of where they are. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the good news that Jesus changes our destiny. He changes where we've been, where we are, and where we're going changes our past, present, and our future. Would you help us to live in light of that new story, that we would live in light of what's true of Jesus that has now been made true of us. Would you let us hear the Spirit telling us, yes, it's really true. Yes, the good news is true news. It's not some fairy tale. And would you let us hear his voice testifying to our spirit, to our hearts, that we really are your sons and daughters. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.